All right, and we are here again, and we are back again. As always, I'm Matt. I'm Drew. And this is the Back Again Podcast. This is the only review show where we take a sequel from the past, and we find out if, in fact, it is worth going back again. Today, we are continuing on our action sequel list, and we are doing the follow-up to the 2000 Charlie's Angels, and we are doing Charlie's Angels Full Throttle 2003. Charlie's Angels Full Throttle comes out in 2003. It's directed once again by Mick G. It's starring Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, Bernie Mac, and Demi Moore. Um, so what's different about this is usually this is the part where I read like a little plot synopsis of what the movie's about. But to be honest, this this plot's really, it's, it's kind of all over the place. So I thought it'd be more fun to ask you, what do you think the plot is about? And then I'll read like what the IMDb one is after that. I'll tell you what, I remember the plot to the first one pretty well. I don't remember anything about the plot to this one. Take a guess. Take a guess of what it is. In Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. I got nothing. <laughs> we've got like a half romance, like betrayal. And then we've got a half pissed off, like former angel. So I don't know. All right, so here, I'll help you out a little bit. So this is what IMDb says the plot is to Charlie's Angels Full Throttle from 2003. Um, the Angels investigate a series of murders which occur after the theft of a witness protection profile database. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember because Shia LaBeouf is in it. So after doing some research and kind of reading again once like online about what the plot is about, um, here's my kind of interpretation of what the plot is about to this movie. So the Angels rescue a U.S. Marshal. And that U.S. Marshal tells them that the, the this thing called Halo, which is the database force, a witness protection program people, uh, has been stolen. So the angels have to go steal it back, right? Um, however, what they don't find out is that that U.S. Marshal, that he has hired bad guys to steal that from the angels once they have successfully, like, taken it. Oh, okay. Right? And then from there... Um, one of the ex-angels, which is Demi Moore, she's going to use that database to sell to different mob families because if it's witness protection, often the mob families are looking for people that like sold them out. That was her intention the whole time? That was time. her intention. That's why I the, thought she was looking for revenge. No, that's why the finale of the movie is her doing that big kind of like auction where all the different mob families are showing up and then the FBI like arrest them on the roof. Okay. Now, what's interesting about this plot is that it's very similar to the first one, whereas in we're going to have somebody that's going to hire the angels for one job, mm -hmm. and then there's going to be a switch of duda. It never, it never goes easy. <laughs> never goes easy, but they always find out that the initial person that they saved is somehow like a bad guy that's using them to steal something else, right? But what's really interesting about this plot is that they try to weave it in with the angels to where Drew Barrymore uh, says, like, I used to be in witness protection, right? And that's like, which is that true to her character from the TV show? I, we're not gonna get. I don't care. <laughs> we're not gonna. <laughs> but the thing is, is that she was in that program, so her information is gonna get released from this Halo kind yeah, of technology, it's a personal right? threat. And because of that, the bad guys hire uh, Justin Thoreau, who plays like an Irishman, and this, and he's someone that personally was, you know. Uh, inflicted by Drew Barrymore, like, you know, turning him into the police, and then she had to... Because like, they were so, dating. So basically, the only reason why she's in Witness Protection Program is because of Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Right? Now, here's what's so stupid about this plot. <laughs> in the first one, it was all personal, because we have... Yeah, we have Sam Rockwell, who's got a personal vendetta against Charlie. Exactly, Right, yes. And he's using the angels to get access to technology that he's told them 
was like it, this was my technology that was stolen yeah once they get access to the technology he can find where charlie is and he's just gonna kill it yeah bing bam boom when Demi Moore gets these two rings that tell where all these witness protection people are. She's still got to sell it. She's got to sell it to the mob. But how big are these mob families to where it's like each mob family is only going to kill like one or two people on this list? Yeah, it's like, is it, is it worth all of the rigmarole of... Because I don't even remember Patrick Dempsey. No, who is it? Justin Thoreau? Yeah. I don't even remember Justin Thoreau's reason for being in the plot other than he's Demi Moore's like past. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's he's a Drew Barrymore's past. Yeah, yeah. He's basically the person uh, that was turned in by Drew Barrymore. Like he... You're right. I guess it's You're personal right. stuff, but they it's, make it they make it the main focus of the story when Demi Moore should be the main focus of the story. But here's how you fix this plot. Because what doesn't make sense about this is that okay, Drew Barrymore was in witness protection program and then she became an angel. But Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu, they also are like these people that whose lives were taken away and then or they got new lives from Charlie. Yeah, their lives so changed. In, in theory, these two women should also be in witness protection program that Charlie found them through that. So if you want to make this movie and earn your title a full throttle, the people that steal this device of witness protection program, they use to find the angels. And then every bad guy that they've ever turned in as angels are coming after them. And then and they, they would they would pay more because they're more like super villains. And not only that, then Demi Moore, when she's auctioning off these things at the end, she's not doing to like five mob families yeah. that are only going to collectively kill maybe 20 people on this list yeah. if that. She's selling it to every bad guy that's ever been wronged by Charlie and the angels. Yeah, and but you could have like other like potential angels on there too that they could like Absolutely. they could potentially like be wiping out like future generations. Absolutely. So then it's not just like personal story with Drew Barrymore, somewhat personal story with Demi Moore, but it gives Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz something to do in this movie too. Because the thing was Drew Barrymore's movie was the first one. That was the one where we yeah. went all into like her backstory, and then like Lucy Liu and Cameron Diaz were kind of the. They weren't side, but they were like main adjacent. In this one, Drew Barrymore just takes center stage again with like the same story or the same gimmick. Yeah. And it's 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 not even like in that first one that it had to do with their backstory. It had to do with who they were as like people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it was is they kind of played into all their weaknesses. And her weakness was that she kind of had a bigger heart, that she was more likely to fall in love, I guess, for like the wrong or be manipulated. Yeah. I mean that's kind of a messed up thing to even put in. Because <laughs> like the whole the whole like uh, premise of the first one is really reliant on Drew Barrymore falling for Sam Rockwell. Yeah. So that's kind of like, you know, but with this one, it's like, it's too, too much, but yeah, it just feels like too many hats on top of a hat to the point where, I don't know when we got to the stuff with Shia LaBeouf where he's doing the, the motocross racing. And then we get uh, the return of Crispin Glover. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff happening. Like, when was that? Like beginning of Act Two? Yeah. The reason that they wanted to kill Shia LaBeouf's character was because he was in witness protection. And that is like them, I guess, using the, the witness protection stuff to kill Shia LaBeouf. But little did they know that Crispin Glover was there to look after Shia LaBeouf. I don't even think that's true. I, I read it. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember a scene where that was established. Who's paying him to protect Shia LaBeouf? The, the government? No, the reason Crispin Glover was trying to protect Shia LaBeouf was because he came from the same orphan home that Shia LaBeouf came from. And oh, that's, that's why right. the girls okay. then go to see Carrie Fisher okay, okay. at the orphan home. And we get a repeat of the Blues Brothers scene with the yardstick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but uh, And then they tell that backstory. Crispin Glover's good in it. And Carrie Fisher scene was really well. Good. Okay, let, let, let's kind of let's 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 go into it now, because I would say all the performances are good. To a certain extent, I would say even like the directing is. Yeah, decent. I agree and, with all that. And. And it's just, really just a script thing. Yeah, and I and it's important to do on this list because just as much as we're going to like do the raid, where that's very in-camera action, this is 
this is like we don't give a fuck we know we have wires and we're going to use every wire <laughs> in the book <laughs> and i think that that has a place in action movie uh it, it did back in 2003 yeah for sure but that's like part of the history you know um whether or not they do right by that in the sequel i would say that the action is still okay in the sequel as far as the i think it's a little bit better sure sure i mean i think what what you like about the action in the first movie is that you're invested in the plot and in the characters with this one the plot's such a mess yeah then when we get an action scene it's cool but i'm like not as invested because i don't know what the fuck is going on they 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 amp it up though they go more full throttle with the action at least yeah oh yeah maybe that's where they get the full throttle they just should have called it more ropes yeah (laughs) more wires (laughs) more wires charlie's angels more wires I don't know. What else do you want to talk about with this freaking movie? Because outside of, you know, the things that don't age well, outside of the performances, outside of the action, the directing, we've already kind of gotten into the plot of, you know, why it's bad, why we think we can make it better. Is there anything you still enjoyed about the sequel? There's, there's things I liked about the franchise, mostly stuff that, like... I respected because you can't do it now anymore. So it's like, you can look at things that don't age well and kind of be like, ooh, that, that doesn't age well. And you can also look at it and be like, oh, that's uh, very indicative of the time that it was made. Yeah, it feels like it's like kind of almost like a comic book movie. Yeah. Like the way he directs the action, it feels like, you know, kind of comic booky mm-hmm. type of frames and stuff. But so I feel like that translates well over time because we're still in that right now. But outside of that, I mean, it's just really, it's such a horny franchise. It is, yeah. So- it's like it's like well yeah like it's like that and like wild wild west it's like what's Uh, up with all these horny movies coming out like at the turn of the century it's interesting because you know in regards to like female action leads i like the fact that they're kind of taking on these superpowers but they never address the superpowers (laughs) like a lot of these girls can just like punch through bricks and stuff so it makes you believe that through their training they were able to like just become so strong yeah they're not superpowers they're just like super strong exactly whereas in like a lot of movies nowadays most of the female action heroes are superheroes so they have powers so there is something interesting about the charlie's angels franchise where it's just like we're women we don't give a fuck it's that's not our gender isn't important with this we're just super strong and kick everybody's ass and we and it's important because we don't have many female action movies on this list we have this and like laura croft tomb raider yeah so even even to be fair this is like classics so i feel like i feel like female driven action movies are kind of more recent thing it's a a niche genre because you got to think like really like action movies and like individual stories like original stories and then follow-ups to those original stories. Oh, yeah, no, the sequels. Yeah, no, like, book or comic book, like, predecessor before it. So, I mean, this obviously is, like, you know, an adaptation from a TV show. Mm-hmm. So it is nice just to have that kind of switcher on the list, not have, like, a bunch of Mel Gibsons on the list, but, like, you know, get some get some girl power. The first, Yeah, it's it would be more fun to talk about this franchise if the sequel itself was better written yeah but it's so repetitive and that's the thing is it's so redundant of the first one we i'll I'll just end up talking about the first one because i'd rather be doing that yeah and you know the second one's like if they just did the first one wrong yeah and you kind of wonder like why didn't they make a third one right so the first charlie's angels which comes out in 2000 it's got a budget of 75 million it's got a box office return of 264.1 million that's pretty good that's pretty good right so then the Charlie's Angels Full Throttle in 2003 has a budget of $120 million, mm-hmm. right? And that's probably because of all the actors. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then that only has a box office return of $259.1 million. So it doesn't even, 
surpass the original movie yeah and it doubles its uh, budget um so when it came time to make a third one it's like well you know everyone just got paid a bunch of money and we didn't even get that much money back so once again not to get in the reboot but i mean clearly they haven't figured out this problem yet <laughs> what did we do wrong it's not that simple what did we do wrong we did nothing wrong i can't believe that they got demi demi more but they didn't use her like she wasn't prominent in the first she wasn't in the first half i don't yeah. think no she she gets that reveal yeah 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 where she's on the roof of griffith observatory and uh the u.s marshal comes up and he's like we did it partner and then she just shoots him twice in the chest and then we reveal it's <laughs> Demi Moore. And, and it was funny because when we revealed sam rockwell in the first one i'm pretty sure it was way earlier and at that point that was the only flip yeah. whereas in with this one there's like a flip right before that because they give like the keys back to the u.s marshal and bosley's office and he reaches for it without like hurting his ribs or something and then yeah. the girls are like oh his ribs don't hurt still so something must be going on with him and that's like already our first flip from the first movie that he's a bad guy that he's a bad guy. and then we revealed demi more on top of that that was a nice reach for a guy with a couple of fractured ribs good going boss we got who I mean, is there anything else you want to say about her performance as the bad guy in this? Because, you know, there's a moment where was she... Was she even a former angel or was she just a bad guy? No, she was a former angel. The former angel doesn't factor into it because she's not out for revenge. She's just out to out the hidden identity people. Well, that's why it would have been more interesting. She's if, out to make money. It would have been more interesting if that database that she steals reveals the identities of all former angels. That way, like, they're all... Because then it's like, she's betraying... Exactly. Yeah. You know, but once again, that's not what they did with this movie. They Dude, just former had angels her... gotta, like, pay the bills. Like, I, I you can almost, like, justify her actions because it's no, you know... I don't think there's really any justification for why she's doing anything in this movie besides Demi Moore was pretty popular still Money. at the time. Well, <laughs> well, that, but also, like, they just wanted, like, a big, a big face as, like, the villain in this, but... Then why do they have but fucking they really, Patrick Dempsey or the other guy, Justin Thoreau, being the villain for like the first half? But let me let me explain it this way. Like with your villains are always going to be hammy in these types of movies, right? Sure. The way that Sam Rockwell is hammy is that after he like shoots Drew Barrymore, he does this like whole kind of dance. You know what I mean? He's doing the splits and he's like smoking a cigarette. And that's because he's like celebrating his victory. He tricked everybody and he's going to go get revenge for yeah. his father on Charlie, right? So that kind of hamminess fills him with his character. And this one, Demi Moore is like wearing this like bear jacket with like no clothes on underneath it. She's got this one long pinky nail that she like bites. It's got a little diamond on it and stuff. And she's like, woo, and like all happy with her champagne. And it's like, who is this character? Yeah. Demi Moore doesn't have any motivation other than just money, apparently. Well, this is perfect because I think what I like about the first one is that there's never a bad guy monologue speech. Mm -hmm. You could give the argument that Sam Rockwell gives one to Drew Barrymore, but really he's just kind of like, you know, laying into her and like insulting her when he's doing that. Demi Moore does the monologue mm -hmm. in this one to Charlie and she literally shoots the voice box even though he's not that's stupid he's not even in the room yeah so it's like that's the problem between these two movies one doesn't have the monologue because like you don't need, you know what it is like you get it this one it's like we don't know what it is so let's just have her explain it yeah and it's like fuck you see that's the thing is like i don't know it's like people assume like writers assume that when villains are happy like they monologue like because it's like a hobby of theirs and it's like no like they don't do that you think they do because you need exposition right now when they're happy they do what sam rockwell did and they just fucking insult the person while they're down mm -hmm. like that's how villains act demi moore doesn't act like a villain she acts like a screenwriter she acts like a screenwriter just dishing out exposition and moving the plot forward yeah she's literally like that guy from die hard 2 yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Sorry, Charlie. So as always on this podcast, we ask three questions that lead to a final vote of is it worth, in fact, going back again? And the first question, as always, is does it work as a sequel? And you can go off first if you want to. I think it doesn't work as a sequel. I'm going to fault it on, because you, you made a really good point about the action. And if we're doing action movies, then it's got to be this. There's no emotion behind the action in this movie when there is emotion behind the action in the first movie. And when you have it the first time and you lose it the second time, then that's a big no-no. I don't think any action movie on our list has had less emotional engagement in the action. Because like John McClane was still able to hold it for Die Hard, like the Raid still had it, just going back down the list, Lethal Weapon definitely had it in spades. Like this is really gonna suffer from that. Even Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. They, they tried really hard, but they still managed to do it. This one is just so much of a, Charlie's Angels is just so much of a mess on the screenplay front that it can't do that. It can go bigger with the action and it can go louder with it, but it can't go like more meaningful with it. And yeah, I, I got to fault it on that. And then on top of the action, just the writing, the repetitive nature of the story, the relentless focus on Drew Barrymore's character. I mean, I don't know. I kind of want to like, in the original show, was there equal focus on all three of them? Or I mean, was there a leader and then two? It's not, it's, it's not, I mean, that's like saying like in the book. I know, but it's just like, I don't, you know, if it's Charlie's Angels, I don't want the Drew Barrymore show necessarily. She's good in it, but I think the scripts just focus way too much on her character, especially. You can do that in the first one. You can't do it again in the second one. You've got to show something new, especially with the same story they were trying to tell. Those are two big reasons. I could get into a lot of smaller reasons, but I'll let you take it from here. Um, it's a little harder for me because I do think it works as a sequel on a concept level. I don't think that they do it. I don't think they execute it well. Yeah, like if you pitch this, yeah, the outline, I, I would say that's a good sequel. If you showed me the script, I'd be like, this is not a good sequel. Yeah, the outline works because it's still, it still, it, it does, it gives us a bigger world and it does further the characters a little bit in regards to, you know, Cameron Diaz moves in with Luke Wilson <laughs> and all that kind of but stuff. But those are all arbitrary advancements, I feel They're like. They're arbitrary, but on paper, it, I think it's enough. And like right? with Lucy Liu, what is, Lucy Liu's is probably the best because at least it's her trying to get back in touch with like her father to an extent. Yeah, but they, but they butcher even, that. They butcher that. And also with like uh, Joey from Friends, like they're on a break, but then at the end of the movie, she's just like, the break's over. And it's yeah. like, why? <laughs> she says it like that. The yeah. break's over. Like, Baby, we're back in action. And it's like, oh, that's funny, but why? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. This movie was almost a little bit more... Well, it's not a little bit. This movie's more hollow than the first one. Oh, yeah. And the first movie can become across as hollow and shallow, but there's little cherries on top that make that first movie enjoyable. It makes mm -hmm. that first movie, like, work. It's the misdirection. I feel like that's, like, the staple of Charlie's Angels is the misdirection. You have it in the characters yeah. and how they use their looks to get what they need, and then you have it in the whole plot and what yeah. you expect from a show about like three sexy spy ladies. Yeah, and they don't do like cliche action things in that first movie where they, like I said, Sam Rockwell never gives a big speech. He exactly, but plan. they do in the second one. Exactly. So this the second movie on concept-wise, it works as a sequel. Execution-wise, I don't think it works They as fall a into the traps. If, yeah, it does that. And it really comes down to like, Man, the first one made a lot of money and you're going to have like a bad guy go on the roof of the Griffith Observatory and be like, we did it, partner. Bang, bang. And it's like, come on. Yeah, like, like, you guys the, are better than this. That, like, that's your big reveal that this guy from the first scene essentially was a villain, that the first guy they helped was a villain. And he just comes out and says, hey, partner. Yeah. And really, for me, it's also like that, just that strip club. So when you repeat like the same beats from the first one and not only that, but you then make it more convoluted on top of that. I don't know, man. Like... 
for those and i guess maybe for pink because she's in the movie also oh yeah wait you're doing ding it on that <laughs> a little bit because okay. the, that's like that's what this movie is it's just cameos yeah there's no there's nothing deeper than it whereas and i'm pretty sure there's cameos in the first one but they were once again more clever yeah so yeah well, I, that's the thing is they they have what's what's frustrating is they show that they can do it even in the sequel they can make the carrie fisher cameo work but then why can they not get the pink cameo to work why can they not then do anything with the i mean bruce willis is also in this movie for a little bit too Oh, oh yeah you didn't have any lines right no but i i know what you're saying like basically like they they know how to do this why did they why did they become so complacent yeah exactly with the second one or maybe they were just riding a high they thought they could do no wrong from everything that we've kind of said i think that it's going to be two x's but it's going to barely be two x's and i feel bad giving it an x because i wanted to like this movie a lot more well you only want to like it because you like the first one so much so yeah, when you like the characters and you like this style of action and this style of storytelling, even though it's cheesy, but it's like a comic book. Yeah, you want to see more of that. And especially like early 2000s where we were just starting to get superhero movies, but we, we were having a really fun time making these kind of wild and crazy movies. They just got they just got a little sloppy. They, yeah. there, there was no like discipline on set. It was just like, yeah, say go ahead. Say that, Bernie Mac. Yeah. Do whatever you want. <laughs> Which in fairness, they did that with Bill Murray in the first one too, but you know. But they had they had more structure with the plot. Like you can you can you can have your characters, you can have your actors First one's tight. First exactly, script is yeah. tight. You can have your characters like have a sorry, you can have your actors have a voice for your characters, but they can't like control plot beats and story development. Yeah. Um so that sounds like it's gonna get two X's. Uh so the next question is gonna be is it enjoyable slash entertaining? And I will start this one off and I will say uh <sighs> It is enjoyable slash entertaining, but only because of what we know from the first one and only because there are bad, ridiculous things in the second one. This second one is more boring, I would say, um, but there are some really stupid things that they do that make you laugh. And then there's some stupid things that they do that don't make you laugh. So I would say just as much as it doesn't work as a sequel, like barely, this one barely is enjoyable slash entertaining. You, I think if you watch the first one, you can watch the second one. You'll be disappointed with it, but you'll overall, you'll be glad like at least you saw it. I was going to say the same thing, but honestly, I think the disappointment would be a bit too much. Yeah. I'm going to say it's not enjoyable slash entertaining. Okay. I I hate, I don't know. It, I, I'm just now kind of realizing how odd it is kind of, because it's like if, if we're, we're, we're saying like we're giving these bad, these X's, these bad X's to uh, Charlie's Angels and like, the first one's so good. And like, I, I hate that like passersby are just like, assume maybe that this is like an X for the whole franchise or something like that. The first one's so good. So I hate saying that this one is l less than that, but it is way less than that. So then let's say what is enjoyable slash entertaining about the sequel? You have the action, the direction, the performance. But the action is hollow. The direction is good, but it's not as good as the first one. And the same with the performances. It's still hollow, but these performers are still entertaining in how they fight. Like that opening scene when they are at that, uh, what do you want to call that? That bar that they're at and like, you know, Drew Barrymore's drinking up top and Cameron Diaz comes in as like the Switzerland girl. Yeah. And Lucy Liu's down below rescuing and stuff like that. They all, Lucy Liu has her action scene, blah, 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 blah. But then once they get up top, like they all get on the chairs and they're like screaming and they're yelling like, ah, <laughs> that's that's entertaining to me yeah now, even though the plot doesn't like make it enjoyable their performances still make it enjoyable so it is it enjoyable slash entertaining well the movie isn't but the, the some of the people in the movie are yeah i was gonna say the only thing that i would really say is better than the first one is that i think the comedy had higher peaks like there were a couple jokes that i think were just the best of the 
between both movies yeah. especially that crispin glover cutaway but like well, that's because there's some offensive ones in the first one too and there's offensive ones in the second one but there are better ones in the second one too yeah they're better and offensive um <laughs> yeah that's the only thing like i don't know compared to the first no so when we say enjoyable slash entertaining are we saying on its own or compared to the first i think it's both okay i'm gonna say i'm gonna say no Personally, I think you're being a little harsher, I, I, which I understand, because but that's where I put my harshness, harshness in this. It doesn't work as a sequel because it doesn't work as a sequel is more reliant on the story. You don't have to really have a good story to be enjoyable slash entertaining. And that's like if we're going to base that off of experience with other movies on this list, like look at The Jungle Book 2. That movie does not work as a sequel. That movie does not need to exist, but it was enjoyable slash entertaining. Yeah, I know. But that had like that had strengths. This one has like a couple better jokes. Yeah, well, the strengths, I think, are the performances. Yeah. Right? All right. But that sounds like it's going to get a check and an X. So the last question is going to be, does it need to exist? And you can start off this last one if you want. No. <laughs> I think, well, yeah, I think, a, I think a sequel for the first movie would need to exist. Yeah. Like, if I would be disappointed if we went back and this was just a standalone movie. But if this is what they're going to do with it, then no. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard because it's, it's like... Because it's not just bad. It's redundant. Well, what are we saying doesn't need to exist with this second one? Probably because, like I said, the plot on paper, I think, works, but in the execution doesn't. They get too bogged down into these scenes where we're explaining everything more so than just like a clever plot for these actors to perform in. Well, I feel like we... I feel do like the you... characters again need to exist? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think they should. Yeah. But the, this story is just really you know it's it's that basic kind of sequel story where there's full you know i was asking i was like why is it called full throttle yeah (laughs) they went more full throttle in the first one i guess you have to just dink the the story itself so the story itself doesn't need to exist but it's a shame because another story of these characters needs to exist yeah and it sucks that that it all came down to that but it was it is so important in general the story for a movie and it was so like it wasn't just so bad it was so just repetitive and it was so inconsistent because we saw certain beats work and then we just saw like the other 60 to 70 percent of it not well like look at like die hard 2 like you know die hard 2 still made a lot of money at the box office and you know that movie got a little bit more shallow that movie got a little bit more hollow but they raised the stakes in certain areas to make it more interesting they raised the stakes and they kept john mcclane consistent with this one it's like they didn't raise the stakes they just made the plot more convoluted yeah and and they just made they gave they did that thing where they just give you three new villains but then this guy's dead and this guy's not the villain and it's just like (sighs) just give me stakes that's all you need you just need the angels and the stakes yeah we don't have the stakes we barely have the angels because Drew Barrymore's taken over and she's just telling the same story for the most part as the first one. So we're just missing the core. It's like it's like a pizza without dough. I, I bring up... Uh, it's like, I, I can't recommend this to anyone. Yeah, I, I bring up the Die Hard thing because it's like people will return to watch these characters again if you just give us a little bit more of something. And when you do these kind of lazy plots with these sequels, like you can just tell like people probably went to go see this opening weekend and then they told their friends like, oh, the story sucks. Like, yeah. You need to see that. Well, like, I, I, like I don't remember what happened in. because that's the thing is when when the story sucks you don't remember the movie because that's the the glue that keeps the whole thing together so if you're doing that math at home that's going to be five x's and one check so it's going to get one giant x for not worth going back again you know it's 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 a shame because i wanted to like this movie a lot like i said but especially after because we watched i think we both watched these back to back yeah like and the so day especially after. just coming off the first one oh yeah i really wanted it to be good for sure but i don't know <clears throat> Yeah. 
So yeah, that's going to be a wrap on Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Uh, as always, make sure you like, subscribe, that you comment below. Make sure you check out uh, Season 1 of the Back Again Podcast and check out uh, the first couple episodes that we've done of Season 2 so far on our action sequel list. Special shout out to Neely for doing our intro and outro song. And outside of that, I don't, I don't really know, Drew. What else? You got anything else to add? Enjoy heaven. Go to hell. <laughs> All right, Drew. So, uh, all right, we'll, we'll see you next week.